Hello, sisters and brothers around Denver, Colorado, and the U.S. Welcome to this episode of Organizing 2021, where we believe that when we organize for our rights, our lives will matter. I am Tondabantu Iverson, and I am a member of the Colorado Organizing and Leadership Development Project. Our project is working toward the building of a Colorado Organizing and Leadership Development Institute. I'll be your host for this first episode of Organizing 2021, and I will be joining with Terry Liggins, another project member, so we can talk about some of the basics of organizing for social justice in marginalized populations around Denver, Colorado. Since the outpouring of grief and outrage following the police killings of George Floyd, Elijah McClain, and so many precious others, Many of us have been looking for ways to continue building the resistance of everyday people like ourselves to the status quo of systemic injustices all around Denver, Colorado, and the United States. I was born on Juneteenth of 1947, and I can still remember my mother making me sit beside her to look at the photos of Emmett Till's body after he had been tortured and murdered in Money, Mississippi. For so many of us, Fighting injustice seems to be one of the most enduring features of our lives. And since we are speaking about fighting injustice, we're excited to be talking today with Sister Terry Liggins, who, along with Gwen Biddix and Shaka MZ, helps found the Cold Project. Welcome, Terry. Well, thank you so much. I'm so happy and excited to be here on this podcast today. Terry, please tell our li listeners a little bit about yourself and how you became concerned about working for social justice. Well, you know, I think if I go back as a child, I think I was concerned about social justice before I even knew what social justice was, unfortunately. And um, I think that happened because, like yourself, uh, there were many occasions or experience, life experience that I would see uh, on TV, things that my parents had sat me down and tried to make me understand. Um, and I think the most unfortunate uh, portion of my experiences was that all of those things didn't happen to the people on TV. They actually happened to um, folks that I love and I knew, uh, very much like my brother, my uncle, my father, right, um, and, right. and, and, yeah, and even myself. And, and then when I would think about it as a young girl, as a 12-year-old, a 15-year-old, a 16-year-old, um, I began to realize that those things were only happening to me for one reason, because I was of a different color, or I lived on the quote-unquote wrong side of the tracks. Yeah, so I think sure. it's where... Yeah, I think that's where uh, mostly where my uh, experiences and my thought about social justice, and again, I had no idea what social injustice or inequality or any of that, those words meant, but I definitely knew how they felt. And so as I became older, um, I always enjoyed being a young black woman, now an older black woman, and I would find myself living in, in neighborhoods um, that there were people that looked like me. Um, but 
were variants in their um, in their financial status and their age and their colors. And so we relocated to Denver, Colorado. And then when I went there, I found a really cool place called Montbello, a really small area called Montbello. And that and in the Montbello, it was just full of, full of diversity, and I really loved it. And it was in that area that I think um, I really decided and, and that I wanted to be a change maker. And I think I, that my experiences in reference to social justice was really heightened. And I think at that point is when I really began to realize that it was no longer um, a choice, but it really was a necessity that I, I become involved in being a change maker. I hear you. I hear you. We'll be looking forward to hearing from Sisters Chaka and Gwen in our succeeding episodes. Uh, but tell us, Terry, what are some of the most important lessons you have been learning about organizing and mobilizing uh, in the Montbello area? And why do you think it is so important to create a Colorado Center for Organizing and Leadership Development? So um, as I said, I was in Montbello, and it was a very diverse uh, community. Um, although I lived in Montbello, I really found I worked outside of Montbello, and the areas that I find, found my employment, there wasn't as much diversity. So as I became to just be involved in my community and just basically going to the grocery store and talking to folks and, you know, all of those things, the barbershop, the, the local um, store, I start talking to the people in the community and start realizing that there were some really hardworking folks um, in the community that was actually doing a lot of work. So there were the, the, my fellow resident leaders, my neighbors. Right. And so I began to, um, I actually took a job, um, left an occupation and went into an occupation with an organizing company, I mean organizing a nonprofit that we were organizers really? uh, and it, okay. yeah and it was because of there was so much going on uh injustice and unfairness and things going on in montbello uh that just didn't seem to um be taken care of so again i just wanted to be a part of that so we began to um create task teams and see what or talk to the community really mostly we did we kind of got, get, uh, got those folks together and said hey what do you want to see in your community? How do you want to be involved with that? And we found there were probably about seven to ten issues that they wanted to conquer. And so we divided those folks into uh, task teams, and we began to work. And I just happened to be a leader of one of those uh, task teams, and it had to do with uh, transportation. And I quickly realized that um, it wasn't just my desire to change that was going to make change. Uh, I just didn't have the tools and the skills to be able to do it and knew that other folks didn't have um, the tools uh, to make those things happen. So it was from that that I really believe that that's when the the idea or the thought process that um, we need to be more strategic and more formal about this whole thing and, and probably is where the uh, community organizing idea came about. Terry, you're... Your, uh, your points are, are very encouraging. Uh, I know there's a lot of effort now, uh, especially since uh, the high-profile murder of George Floyd and the 
tremendous uh, uh, upsurge of uh, activity that has taken place not only uh, in the United States, but indeed around the world. Uh, there's a lot of talk about mobilizing people uh, and getting people to oppose uh, injustice. Uh, but you seem to be touching on an important work of organizing that is building relationships with people one by one that ultimately makes mobilizations possible and helps to create transformative social movements. Am I understanding what you're saying? Yes, I, I definitely agree with that. And that was one, I think that was one of the first lessons that I actually learned, that a making change was not a solo act. Uh, there had to be um, unity. There had to be building of the relationships. And that's actually what I began to do um, in Modelo, building those relationships with uh, resident leaders, grassroots people, neighbors, uh, nonprofit leaders. Um, and it was through those relationships that uh, we knew that it was unity um, in the same like-mindedness that was actually going to be able to help us uh, to move further in making the changes um, that we need to, to, to have our efforts be fruitful. And you know, Terry, what you're saying right now, what you're describing right now, reminds me very much of... Uh, some of my own experiences and, and, and some of the study uh, that I've uh, been involved in uh, of, of the civil rights movement organizing, particularly the organizing that was done by folks like Ella Baker and folks in SNCC. You know, they were very concerned about trying to help individual, everyday grassroots folks come, yep. in, not just get involved, Terry, but you know, uh, get involved with the understanding that each of them who makes up the movement is now realizing that I am one of the people I've been waiting for to make change. <laughs> exactly. I hear you. Um, I actually started, uh, again, not knowing what I was doing, but just having a desire to make change, uh, um, a kind of a workshop that would help us as grassroots leaders to become um, more skilled because one of the words that really um, became very clear to me is that you had to be strategic in this thing. And yeah, so yeah. you you wanted to make change but had no idea how to make change. And there were so many grassroots leaders and resident leaders who just didn't know how to do that. And I seen before my eyes when we would do these workshops and bring uh, some seasoned organizers uh, come in and just teach your basic concepts that when they would come in, right. how excited did the residents uh, would be like, oh, now I know what to do. You know, it's not I just want to do it. I now I know what to do. I have tools. I have skills that I can use. I know who I need to talk to. I know who I need to talk to. And that also um, helped for the next change that we wanted to make. And then when you get those small wins, like you get a bus stop, placed on a corner that someone was going to take off and you get right, that right. you get that win then it's the next time something comes people are anxious and excited to like hey i want to be a part of that i know what to do i know who to call i know what my part is it and i know that i was the person who got that bus you know that change on there and that's minor in some folks eyes a bus stop change but when you've got a you know, a baby and you're a single parent and you're trying to get some groceries and get uh, to the store, it's not, it's not minor to them. But you, you know, Terry, you remind me 
and I hadn't thought about this in quite some time, but as uh, we, we're talking today, you are reminding me of one of the most important experiences that I think we probably have forgotten. We've all heard a lot about this group called the Black Panther Party, Hugh and Bobby Seale, uh, uh, and so forth. But what many of us may not even realize is that the Black Panther Party of Northern, Cal uh, Northern California actually got started through activities like fighting for a stop sign at a particular at a particular uh, intersection in, uh, in an oppressed community of black folk, and 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 kids were getting killed left and right, and wow. people began to organize, and that that effort, that struggle to organize people, educate people about the need for that seemingly small, I guess some people would say think yeah. of, of, of a stop sign uh, was was one of the things that helped to uh, lay the groundwork for the work that later became uh, the Black Panther Party. So, I mean, I'm, I'm just so glad to be able to talk with you about this today because I think that our conversation points us in the right direction. And we're going to be looking yeah. forward to having uh, other conversations, not only with you, but also with, with Sister Gwen, uh, Bidix and Chaka and Z. Uh, and so I, I, I'm really excited and thank you so much for challenging us, uh, uh, our listeners, uh, to really think about the lived experiences of struggle that have to continue as we go forward. And to all of you in our audience, thank you for spending time with us today at Organizing 2021. Thank you. I appreciate it. We believe that when we organize for our rights, our lives will matter. We hope you'll join us again for our bi-weekly episodes. And if you have experiences to share, comments or questions to raise about organizing and leadership development, please reach out to us at our email address, ccold8263 at gmail.com. That's ccold8263 at gmail.com. When we organize for our rights, our lives will matter. Thank you, Terry. See you next time. See you next time. Thank you.